Unless otherwise indicated, Ratchet Book Club is intended for a mature audience. Viewer discretion is greatly advised. Welcome to Ratchet Book Club, where we read hood classics and good classics. I'm Derek. 916-633-1537, Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com, Ratchet Book Club on Twitter, Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. Hmm. Yeah. Chapter 12. As soon as Bree stepped off the private jet, she inhaled deeply. The warm sun immediately warmed her face and she smiled. Miami. I am home, she whispered as she shed a layer of clothes. She hadn't been back in so long that she had almost forgotten how good it felt. Zaire placed his hand on the small of her back as they made their way across the tarmac to the black SUV that was awaiting them. Mr. Rich, the driver asked. Zaire nodded as he extended his hand. Welcome to Miami, sir, the driver said. He took their bags and then opened the back door for them. This feels so much better than that miserable blizzard we just left, Bree said with a sigh of relief. Zaire smirked. I'm flint bread, baby. It don't bother me as much, he answered. He reached over and grabbed her hand, squeezing it three times. It was how they said, I love you, without speaking. She returned the gesture. I can't wait to see the Diamond Estate. It's been so long, she whispered. Why the fuck is she whispering so much? Are they the only two who were there? Like, why the fuck are you... You know what? Whispering is my annoying point right now in my life. I'm sorry. I'm at a point where whispering pisses me off. Especially when you're the only one there. Use your language. Use your voice. Be a strong person. I'm so happy we're here. Can you pass me the ketchup? Papa would be pleased that we kept it in the family. He was all about family. About loyalty. I wish he'd had a chance to meet you. He would have liked you. Zaire said nothing. Instead, he looked out of the window as they pulled away from the jet. The hour ride to the old Diamond Estate was filled with a comfortable silence as memories flooded Breeze. During her teenage years, she used to hop all over these streets, shopping and hanging out with her girlfriends. She tried to keep the negative times in the back of her mind because there were so many of them. Her family had reigned over Miami's drug trade, but their power had come at a price, and it had been a hefty one. Only for her, really, though. Like, really. When they pulled up to the gates of the mansion, there were guards everywhere. They walked on the inside perimeter, earpieces in their ears, black-suited despite the scorching heat. Two men manned the front gate, and one sat in the security post off to the side. All were visibly armed. Zaire and Breeze Rich here for Mr. Diamond, the driver announced to the men. 
Breeze looked at Zaire with a raised brow and said, It's a bit much, right? She shook her head, amused as she cracked a smile. The gates opened and the driver entered, taking them down the long drive to the main house. It looks exactly the same, Breeze said, her excitement growing. Yeah, because they were going to paint it black, but then they decide, you know what, it's better if we keep it the way Breeze remembered it. Candy stripes would have been nice, though. Let me tell y'all, if I ever get a mansion, I'm going to do absolutely nothing big with it. Like, it's just going to be a decked out mansion. But then I'm going to name it There Goes the Neighborhood. But I'm going to name it that in Latin. So only the smart white people who really hate me will know exactly what the fuck it means. So I just check because I'm nosy and that will come out to EB at said it Vicinia. So if you see that, just know Derek lives there. Also, if you see that, don't run up in my spot. Mind your own fucking business. This is my neighborhood. Already took it. There it goes. Just just drive past. Just drive past the house and be like, there goes the neighborhood. I saw it. And then I went home. That's what we need you to do. Say the fuck off our property. But yeah, that's going to be a dope ass name. Right, right. Came over the first. Can't take it. There goes the neighborhood. <sighs> as soon as they parked, she was out and up the steps, walking right in as if she still lived there. When she stepped inside, her mouth dropped. A woman in six inch stilettos and a thong and bra walked right up to her. Welcome, beautiful. Mr. Diamond will be right down, she greeted them seductively. Who the hell are you? Breeze asked as Zaire walked in. Another scantily clad woman in hooker heels approached, her sight set directly on Zaire. Please let me take your bags. Welcome to the Diamond Estate. Can I show you to your room? Um, no, Miss Thing. You can't show my man anywhere, Breeze said, taking aback. And where's Money's extra ass? Zaire smirked, chuckling slightly. This nigga's fooling, he said to Breeze as he shook his head, amused. No disrespect. I'm here to make sure you're taken well care of. Not just him. Anything you need as well. The two women bent down and grabbed the luggage. I'll take these upstairs. So you got women. Wait, let me go back. It's Hooker Hills, okay. Yeah, women in thongs and bras as your butler staff? Like, they're carrying the bags for you and shit? Huh. Okay. If you can have anything in the whole world, what would you want? Man, I want women with long-ass legs and high heels to carry my bags up and down the stairs and the bags of my guests, too. Oh, and my son is here. My room is in the East Wing, Breeze instructed. The girls walked away, voluptuous bodies on full display. Voluptuous, here we go again. Even Breeze had to sneak a peek. She covered Zaire's eyes playfully and nudged him in the ribs, causing him to laugh. Money walked into the room with two additional women at his sides. What's this? The Playboy Mansion? Breeze asked as she greeted him. He was as handsome as ever, and on the outside seemed to have everything together. He was surrounded by protection and beautiful girls, but Breeze was his sister. She knew him well. These were all distractions. This was his way of forgetting about Lena. Nah, it ain't like that, B. He replied as he kissed her cheek and slapped hands with Zaire. I'm just living. You never know when someone will take that privilege away. So until then, I'm going at every day like it's my last. You know, like when he shot up. 
Carter's house. Good to see you, fam, he said to Zaire. Likewise, Zaire replied. What's so urgent that you and Carter called us all the way down here? I know you couldn't speak over the phone, but I'm curious to know what brought him out of seclusion, Bree said. Let me show you, Monroe stated as he led the way upstairs. He escorted them to the room that he and Mecca used to share as kids and opened the door. So in a mansion, they had these two niggas sharing a room? That's fucked up. I swear to God, if I had to share a room with my older brother when we lived in the goddamn mansion, me and my mom are going to have private words, not me and my dad, because talking to my mom made it more likely that she would go to him first and kind of smooth the way by saying, you better. Things I wish I knew as a kid. I learned that from watching my youngest son. My wife got that joke. Breeze covered her mouth in absolute shock when she saw two young boys sleeping soundly in each bed. She didn't have to guess their identities. They were the splitting images that her father... Is it splitting or spitting? I thought it was spitting images because I've heard this phrase like a million times. But the splitting images... Yeah. How? She asked with tear-filled eyes. She had never felt such joy. This is impossible. She went to take a step inside the room, but Moreau stopped her. Let's wait for Carter. Let them sleep. We don't know what they went through when they were at Baraka. They haven't spoken much, only to each other. I want to give Carter a chance to see his son. Talk to him before we overwhelm them, Monroe said. That's best, Zaire said. Bree stepped into the room anyway, and bent down over each one of her nephews and kissed their cheeks. She walked back out of her room and looked at Monroe. Get rid of the women, money. I get it. Lena's gone. You're coping, but your son is back now. You don't bring that kingpin shit around him. Papa never did. All we knew was happiness when we were their ages, she said. Monroe knew that it wasn't a request. Breeze didn't boss up often, but when she did, it meant she was serious. He would be sure to honor her wishes. The doorbell rang. That's probably Carter, Breeze said. They made their way to the front door and pulled it open to find Mia Moore standing there with Fly Boogie by her side. Is he here yet? She asked, referring to Carter. Not yet, Breeze replied, already knowing whom she was speaking of just by the urgent look in her eyes. It's good to see you. Breeze and Mia Moore embrace, genuinely happy to see each other. Their bond had grown naturally over time. They were family, and although Mia Moore made mistakes, Breeze didn't believe in turning her back on family. You know, not anymore. Come in, Breeze said. Zaire looked at Monroe curiously when Fly Boogie stepped inside. Why is he here again? He noticed how Fly Boogie had placed his hand on the small of Mia Moore's back. The shit I'm looking at ain't gonna fly. Zaire had vouched for Fly Boogie years ago. He was the reason why Carter even gave him a position within the cartel. Now here he was, committing the ultimate act of disrespect. She's fucking with him like that? Zaire asked. That's not important right now, Zaire, Breeze whispered. Monroe looked at Zaire seriously and said, I don't give a fuck about all that. If it wasn't for him, my son wouldn't be at home safe in his bed right now. He would still be with Baraka, and I would still think he was dead. He's good money with me. Just let it be. That's Carter's business. He'll handle that. Your house, your rules, Zaire stated, but it was clear that he didn't approve. Well, we don't have to wait and see very long. He's here, 
Bree said as she looked at the high-tech security screen to show Carter's arrival. She rushed outside, and before he could even emerge from the car, she jumped in his arms. Hey, Breeze, he greeted her. She pulled back from him and looked him in his eyes. His appearance was different. He was rugged. His big beard was such a huge contrast from the clean-cut, composed boss she remembered. He had withdrawn from everyone when he thought CJ had died. She hoped this reunion would bring him back to the man he used to be. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're all here. It's been a long time since we've all come together. Sam emerged from the car behind Carter. Breeze looked at Carter curiously. You know me is here, right? I'm not worried about anything but my son, B. Where is he? Carter asked. She nodded her head. Understandably, she said. He's upstairs. Raise your hand, listeners. I won't be able to see you, so you can do this honestly. Don't worry about lying to nobody but yourself, even though you did that when you were like you didn't gain no weight over the Christmas break while you ate sweet potato pie and chased it with eggnog ice cream and drank eggnog. I'm talking about me. I'm 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 people. But raise your hand. If you've ever said the word understandably. And that's it. Nothing else. Like somebody says something to you and you respond with understandably. Where's my son? I'm trying to see him. Understandably. I mean, it's a phrase. It could definitely be used. But it just. So when my son, Kid Awesome was three, two, four, mostly three, and four. When you would ask him a question, no matter what you asked him, he'd answer with the word because. Didn't matter what you asked him. Because. Hey, kid awesome. What'd you eat for breakfast this morning? Because. And then he'd go on to say whatever it was that it was because. It didn't make sense, but it was cute because he was four and three and two, mostly three and four. Understandably works, but it still doesn't. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't even work. Like, I'm really thinking about this now. Hey, I'm going to make baked beans to go with the barbecued ribs. Understandably. Does that work? (sighs) I will never understandably it. He's upstairs. I'll show your friend around while you handle your business. She turned to Sam. Welcome to our home, Sam. Thank you for taking good care of him. Carter didn't stick around for instructions. He walked into the Diamond Estate and bypassed everyone as he headed directly for the stairs. Carter... Mia Moore called as she took a step towards him. Fly Boogie grabbed her elbow, stopping her from following after him. Give him a moment with his son, Ma. It's been three years. He deserves that, he said. Carter opened every door on his way down the hallway until he found his son, sleeping soundly. Against his will, his face began to contort as he was wrecked with emotion. I think they mean wrecked. I think. Not sure, but you know. It could be racked. 
He was overcome with happiness as the enormity of his son's presence hit him. He knew he was so undeserving of a blessing of this magnitude. He was so grateful he couldn't stop the tears from flowing. They were endless. They were the most natural expression of love he had ever displayed. In this moment, he wasn't a kingpin. He wasn't a boss. He wasn't a gangster. He was simply a father. Grateful for the safety of his boy. He had lived the past three years weighed down by the burden of a great sadness. A great loss. And he had mourned heavily. See, the funny thing about it was like four years ago, five years ago, they were like, yeah, all I care about is my wife. I just need my wife here with me. Now it's all about the kid, not if they divorce. Found a different soulmate, didn't you? Understandably, because. Today was the first day since he had walked away from the cartel that he felt like he could breathe. The burden had been lifted and his heart was so exposed that he felt embarrassed by his reaction. No one had ever seen him so weak. Footsteps behind him caused him to, nigga, if you're not a bitch. Sorry, I promise to not say that anymore. Goober. If you are not overtaken by emotion by seeing your son and don't give a fuck who sees you, if you don't throw that fake ass gangster shit out the window, dude, you know what you want to keep hidden from everybody? Your stomach. I know you got one. I know you got a gut now. You've been living up in the mountains doing nothing but eating cream of wheat and reading books, which is cool. Footsteps behind him causing to straighten his stance and wipe the evidence from his eyes. But when he turned around, Mia Moore said, You can cry. I did for almost an hour straight when I first saw him. Carter tried his hardest to keep his resolve, but he melted again in the sobs as Mia Moore walked into his arms. He cried on her shoulder as she rubbed the back of his head gently. He resented her. His anger towards her was immeasurable, but she was the only person who understood how he felt. And money! Money understands. Right down the hall. Money understands. And on top of all that, he actually experienced loss. Y'all didn't experience shit because your son is literally in front of you. Yeah. She was the only person who wouldn't use his weakness against him. You cried. I sent you. Truth was, he hated himself for loving her so much. He had a bad case of loving you. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. He rested his forehead against hers. It's okay, she whispered supportively as her dainty hands began to wipe his tears away. She used her thumbs to wipe them off his face and then cupped his cheeks in the palms of her hands. He's okay, she whispered. There was nothing you could have done to prevent this. No, because you did it, nigga. Like, this is a you thing. Nothing to save him. I caused this. And Lena. Lena was li literally like, yeah, y'all little niggas can go out front to play while we sit in the house. Bodyguard, please go away. So then it all feels natural to them. Yeah. We missed three years of his life because of my actions. Not sure, so don't go blaming yourself. You cry all that depression out right now while it's just me and you. Let me tell you something about depression and tears. It's a great reset. It's a great vow, but you're not crying depression out. It doesn't come out with your tears. You're releasing angst and emotion. Clouded thoughts, maybe. 
anger. Yeah. Understandably. Get it out of your system. When you're done, you take back your throne. He gritted his teeth and calmed himself as they stared in each other's eyes. In her, he saw himself. He knew that he should have looked away. He knew how easily it was for her to pull him in. She could see his love for her blazing within him. It was simmering slowly. He gripped the back of her neck and pulled her into her, kissing her so deeply that she felt it everywhere. He pulled back from her, shaking his head. I can't. Why not, Carter? She asked. We have our son back. Why can't we just be a family? It's dangerous being with you. You don't think, Mia. You just react. The last time you popped off, it cost us three years at our son. Next time, it might cost him his life. My life. Your life. So let's not do this. You go your way with your new nigga, and I'll go mine. Carter stated. Is this about me being with Fly? She asked. Just say, Carter. You're mad because I'm with him. He came back for me. When you walked away and left me, he came back. He gave me my life back. I had a bounty on my head, Carter, and you didn't even try to save me. You just walked away and hid in your cabin on the side of a fucking mountain. He came back. You didn't. So who should really be the one mad here? Me or you? Carter squared his shoulders as his jaw flexed in anger. Every time he thought about Fly Boogie and me and more, he wanted to body something. That little nigga knows what you feel like, ma. What you taste like. And yeah, you said he came back for you after I left. But he was checking for you before any of this shit popped off. You had his head gone. Little nigga had your name tatted and everything. And you expect me to believe you wasn't throwing him no pussy? My pussy? Yeah, y'all, I think I've already discussed the whole, it's not really, you're, you're leasing it, fam. But you can't say, how long did I sign the contract on this pussy? What's the ownership clause on this pussy? Can I get a gift receipt for this pussy? You you know, you got to take full ownership. It's not, whose pussy is, bar- who's borrowing this pussy? You could say, who's in this pussy? But then it just seems like you're, you know, dementia. You murked Baraka's daughter because I slept with her. Holy shit, son of a bitch. Fuck, 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 fuck. So, if y'all remember at the end of the last book, I was like, it would be so fucking simple for him to just explain that he got drugged and showed a video of what exactly happened when she walked in. So then there wouldn't be any issue because there was literally a note on the desk that was in her handwriting and they never did that. But now that all this shit has happened, now that he's gotten shot and lost a lung and all this bullshit has happened. You murked Baraka's daughter because I slept with her. She drugged me that night and you never even gave me the chance to explain that to you. You couldn't remember. They wrote it so you couldn't remember shit. So don't try and rewrite shit now. That's unfair to the readers who have been dealing with this bullshit for an entire book. She drugged me that night, and you never even gave me the chance to explain that to you. You put her in a grave, Mia Moore. You buried her alive. What do you think I want to do to him, huh? You think I want to shake his hand? You think I want to thank him? 
It's taken everything in me, not the empty one in his forehead. That's how much I love you. That's how crazy I am over you. They're just saying that in passing, just like she drugged me. You wouldn't even let me explain that to you. I couldn't remember even when we were in the, the lawyer's offices doing mediation with the two Jewish lawyers, Shitburger and Einstein, Shitburger and whatever the other Jewish lawyer's name was. It doesn't matter. I understand now why you did what you did, but us together, we're dangerous. We aren't rational. Our love is too deadly. I couldn't take you back without murdering that nigga. Well, don't worry about it, because pretty soon she's going to find out that he shot you, and she's going to murder that nigga. Bygones, right? Is that building a bridge? If she shoots him for you, does that work? Are we good now? Not so! The man here says I owe him. He owe me. He owe me. If she shoots him, are we through here? Show the front and back of your palms and walk away like the casino that y'all literally had for a year before you just left it. A point has to be made. And if I do that, I jeopardize my son's future. Why? Who the fuck cares about Fly Boogie? He loses the father. You see my dilemma? Here's my dilemma, Mia Moore. No matter what I do, all I think about is you. Even when I'm with my boo, Sam. You know, I'm thinking only of you. Are those the words? East Coast, I know you're railing with me. West Coast, I know you're shaking with me. Down South, I know you're baking for me. You don't know what you mean to me. I'm shocked they don't have that in karaoke bars. I feel like that would be a karaoke song. Mia Moore was near tears herself just listening to his internal struggle. You let him have you. Now I gotta let him keep you. And I'm gonna do me over here. But I love you, she admitted. It was his turn to wipe her tears. But she could tell by the look in his eyes that his word was final. It's too late for us, Ma, he replied. The bedroom door opened and their son appeared, causing Mia Moore to turn away to straighten her face. When she turned back around, she was smiling brightly. She bent down. Hey, CJ, someone wants to see you, she said. Carter turned around so his son could see his face. Dad, CJ yelled in excitement as his eyes lit up. Relief flooded Carter as CJ instantly recognized him. He had been worried that he may not remember him. He had only been five years old when Baraka had taken him. But the time had done nothing to erase his memory. This was his cub, and their bond was instinctive. Carter bent down and picked up his son, noticing instantly that he was no longer a baby. Ugh, Dad, I'm not a baby now. Put me down, CJ said as he kicked his feet. Me and Moore laughed as Carter placed him on his feet. He was eight and stood before him scrawny but tall. He wore Superman pajamas and had a set of ears on him that made it seem like he could take flight. It was like looking at himself years ago. He was the spitting image of Carter. Now they said spitting. They didn't say splitting this time, so I was right. Understandably. He held his hand out for his son. You're right. You're a young man now. No, he's not. He's fucking eight. Carter's son shook his hand as he poked out his bird chest proudly. Carter looked at him seriously. Did anyone hurt you while you were away? No, sir, CJ replied. You could tell me anything. You know that, right? Carter said sincerely. CJ nodded. I love you, CJ. My word is bond that no one will ever take you away from me again. I promise you that, Carter stated. Oh, that's, 
that's looking great for the big, you know, custody battle that's about to happen. I love you too, Dad, CJ said. Carter nodded towards Little Money and said, Wake your cousin up, get dressed and come down. It's time to celebrate. Carter walked past me and more and back down the steps. When he appeared at the top, he noticed everyone was looking up at him and they all had glasses of champagne in hand. Feels good, don't it? Monroe asked when Carter descended. Like nothing I've ever felt, Monroe, Carter replied. Monroe handed Carter a flute. He then grabbed another off the serving tray that one of the lovely servants was holding and handed it to Mia Moore once she came down. He held his in the air. To family. We're whole again and nothing will break down the Carter going forth. Family, money, and power, he toasted. They all drank to that before Monroe added, let's break bread. My beautiful, beautiful ladies have set up a champagne brunch on the lawn and a welcome home party for the boys. The entire city's coming out. Let's have a good time. So you're having the entire city come out to celebrate your boys being brought back from being kidnapped. But somewhere in that city is the folks who are the family of the Mexican girl that you killed, Yesenia. When Monroe mentioned the entire city, he held no punches. When he had come back to Miami, he had built the cartel back at the prominence. It hadn't ever been so powerful, not even when his father had been alive. He was a king, and every single one of his soldiers came out with their families to celebrate the return of his son. He had hired a full carnival to come out and set up in the vastness of his backyard, but he was careful. Every hood nigga and their baby mama was checked thoroughly before they were granted access to the Diamond Estate. Government IDs were taken and photocopied. Monroe would know exactly who came through his gates should he need to reach out and touch someone after the fact. He had no worries, however. Miami loved him. All of Miami. He was the man, and nobody wanted beef with him. He was a living legend. Isn't this a bit much? Carter asked as he and Monroe stood on the expansive deck overlooking the party. Nah, it's just right, bro. Relax. Enjoy yourself. Nobody here means us any harm. We're back. Find that pretty little thing. Sam, you brought up here with you. Grab a drink and enjoy your family, Monroe said. Where is she anyway? You know me and Moore's ass have her tied up in a closet somewhere. Monroe laughed jovially as he took a swig of his Heineken. Chill out, Carter said with a smirk. Fly walked up with two beers in his hands and offered one to Carter. Why the fuck would he do that? Why? 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 Like, nigga, what? I don't give a fuck. What kid you brought home? Nigga, it could be my kid. It could be your kid. It could literally be Kid Fury. I don't give a fuck. Nigga, there's funk. The funk ain't over till somebody dies. I can't wait till they find out this nigga literally somehow bought a sniper rifle and shot Carter. When he had never shot anybody before. Gentlemen, he greeted them. Carter looked down at the beer and smirked as he left the other lingering in the air. Tension filled the space. Monroe looked back and forth between his brother and Fly and spoke up in an attempt to de-escalate the situation. Fly was telling me about this pill shit he into out west. He said it's a lot of money to be made, Monroe said as he accepted the beer from Fly to save him some embarrassment. We don't eat at the same table. Carter said, squinting as he looked out over the yard, keeping his eye on his son at all times. 
He was overly aware of his surroundings. He couldn't help but feel there were too many new niggas around him. Carter wasn't about this life anymore. The status, the attention, the crowd, it was all too much for him. A lot of things have changed since you've been gone, Fly said. Apparently, Carter said sarcastically. Look, fam, kill that fam shit, Carter stated. The only reason I ain't put your brains on the pavement yet is because of what you did for my son. A solid-built goon stepped up, wearing a black t-shirt and a gaudy diamond crucifix, putting Carter on the defensive. What, nigga? What you gonna do, big man? Carter grabbed the goon by his collarbone and applied pressure as he smoothly came off his hip with his burner. He discreetly stuck it in the gut of the man. Got a problem? Fuck is you, nigga. If this your team fly boogie, you need to do more recruiting. You know who the fuck you step into? Carter asked through gritted teeth. He was seeing red, but he spoke in low tones so as to not draw attention to the altercation. Whoa, whoa, Monroe intervened. We're all on the same team here. Carter, put the gun away, bro. Carter calmed down, and Monroe nodded his head at the goon. Now get your ass out, he said. The dude began to step off, and Monroe lifted his foot, kicking him in the back and causing him to fall down the stairs. Fuck what you thinking, stupid-ass motherfucker, Monroe stated. He turned to fly. Control your people. I kicked his ass down the stairs in front of everybody. Control your people. My apologies, Fly stated. Out of nowhere, CJ came running up. Fly! He called out in excitement. What's up, man? Hearing his son's excitement caused a pang of jealousy to stab Carter's heart. What's good, little man? You having a good time at your party? All this for you. There's a lot of people who are glad you're home, man. Yeah, this is dope. You want to shoot hoops with me and Mo? CJ asked. Yeah, I'll be right there. Let me finish ironing out a few things with your pops, Fly stated. I right. CJ ran off full speed toward the full-size basketball court. Carter was awkward about Fly's relationship with his son, but seeing their interaction softened him a bit. This wasn't about me and more. This was about what was best for CJ. Listen, I realize what you did to get my son back. That alone is enough for me to put the bullshit aside. You respect me, I'll respect you. But I'm good on the business, Carter said. There's money on the floor, Carter. Just hear him out, Monroe said. If he takes our coke out west and we bring his pill game here, the shit will be crazy. We stand to make a lot of paper. That pill shit is dry out this way. It's an open market, but he can't come out here and get no money without our muscle backing him. I need you on this. You can get Estes on board too. I got a plug and it's doing the job, but if I had Estes' product, whoo, Monroe said as he shook his head. Wait, shouldn't Monroe be talking to Estes? Like, wasn't Monroe the one who had the relationship with his grandfather because he was the only true grandson and Estes was trying to kill his other grandson because Monroe was in danger shouldn't that be the nigga who's going to ask nah nigga you go ask your mama if you can stay tonight don't look if me and my friend are at my house and my friend leans over and whispers to me Ask your mom if I can stay tonight tonight. Nah, nigga, you go ask because my mom likes you better than she likes me. You go say that shit. 
I'm not saying it. And if I know your granddaddy like you more than he like me, why the fuck would I ask him for something? Fuck you. If you're not going to talk to him, it's only because you know that he's mad at you that Lena died. And how the fuck would he know that? Also, the nigga got a case on him. Why the fuck are you going to him for drug game shit? Remember? Polo snitched? Because we knew Polo was a punk. We knew he was a goober from way back. Remember? I remember. Just thinking about the prophet had him ready to go all in. Estes is your grandfather, blood born. Why can't you get to him, Carter asked. He don't want no part of the cartel if you ain't running it. Wait, what? What? Why are we rewriting history now? He literally wanted money to take over the cartel. Like two books ago. He was bankrolling it to try and put Carter out of business. He don't want to be no part of the cartel if you ain't running it. He watched everyone around me die. Mecca, Papa, my moms. He said he can't contribute to putting me in the grave. He refused to play as long as I'm the one calling the shots, Monroe said. I can do it with this other connect, but it ain't the same. Quality is off. That's why I need you. Carter chuckled, because Estes don't give a fuck if a nigga put a bullet in me. Monroe laughed. Basically. Carter shook his head as he looked around the yard. He spotted me and more, but he didn't see Sam anywhere. I'm good on that. Maybe he could pull his eye in. I'm about to go find my lady, he said, walking away. It's gonna so happen that she's dirty too. Somehow she's with the feds or something. Some kind of fuck shit. Zaire stood in the kitchen, gripping the countertop as he stood with his head lowered in stress. He pinched the bridge of his nose because, again, that's how you get rid of stress, my nigga. You pinch the, the bridge right here where the actual cartilage is, like where the bone and the cartilage meet. It don't do shit for me. He pinched the bridge of his nose as he contemplated his loyalties in his head. Sam entered the kitchen and he looked up, straightening his stance as he prepared to walk out. Out of nowhere, she grabbed him, pushing him against the wall with force and taking him by surprise. I need to talk to you, right now, she said in a hushed tone. She pulled him into the half bath. Not here, Zaire protested as he attempted to get past her. Sam pulled out a small caliber handgun and clasped with both hands, pointing it at him. Right here, right now, right here, right now. It's the only part of that song I know, swear to God. Don't forget who you're dealing with, Zaire. What the fuck? We've been trying to build this case for three years. I finally have every member of the cartel in one place at the same time. I want everybody in cuffs, including Mia Moore Jones. You get Carter back into the drug business by any means necessary. Monroe will be easy to nab. He's flashy. I want this fly boogie character as well and a big fish of the entire operation, Estes. Without Estes, there's no deal for you, Sam threatened. The district attorney on this case lost to Carter Diamond years ago. We can't afford to leave any loose ends this time around. The cartel will fall with or without your help. The question is, are you going to fall with it? Now I've been on the inside with... Jesus Christ! Son of a bitch, I thought we were past this. I thought we had gotten over this. I thought we were I thought we had put this shit all behind us. 
I don't even know why the fuck she's saying this shit. I don't. But okay. I guess y'all realize you forgot to say it for a long time too, punk ass goobers. Now I've been on the inside with Young Carter for three years. What the fuck? Young Carter. Young Carter. Look. Now I've been on the inside with Young Carter for three years. Three years up in the mountains and nothing. Not even a traffic violation. This case isn't made without him. You need to push him back into the game and speed up the process. You had to play this way? Oh, right. Because this stupid ass nigga got caught. This nigga drove home trying to sell drugs in Flint and got back home and Breeze hopped into the car to drive to get a pregnancy test. And while she's speeding up the street, it turns out that the feds were on her and pulled her over. So now Zaire, who murdered Ace, or who was like Ace the punk ass nigga because he's snitching, is turning snitch. Also, I called this shit. But still, the Zaire part. Okay, right. I'ma just go ahead and... Because that's a stretch. Also, making me say Young Carter again really pissed me off. So fuck you for that too. Your little wifey is finished. I can make this real bad for you. And if I even get a whiff of you having second thoughts, I will ruin you. I wonder what Carter and Monroe would think about a member of their own teams turning state's evidence. Yeah, Zaire is the one who found her. I thought Money found her. Nope, Zaire is the one who... Wait. 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 Nope, Zaire found her. Back in Chapter 6. Okay. <sighs> Zaire felt like the scum of the earth. The feds had turned him, and Sam was merely an undercover, building the case of her career against the entire cartel. Are you threatening me? Sorry, I can't say it without sounding like Cornholio. My bad. Are you threatening? Nope. See? Even then, my voice is going up. Are you threatening me? I am Cornholio! I need TP for my bunkhole. My teenage years were much different than any kids who are listening to this right now. And also, if you're listening to this, the fuck is wrong with you? But, Beavis and Butthead were the shit. Are you threatening me? Zaire asked in rage. Don't fucking threaten me. Why not? She can do whatever she wants. You already didn't turn state's evidence. He said it through gritted teeth. They always state shit through gritted teeth. Have you tried to state shit through gritted teeth before? Like, seriously. Try it. State something. Go to a drive-in. Go to the drive-thru in a restaurant and state your order through gritted teeth. Shit's hard. I want... Two old beef patties, special sauce, lettuce, cheese, pickles, onions on a sesame seed bun. Niggas, don't threaten me. Sound like Kanye when he got in the car accident. Mr. Rainey, I promised to marry your daughter. Like, what the fuck am I doing talking like this? Don't threaten me. Get your punk ass out my motherfucking face before I'll fuck you the fuck up. Why not opening my mouth? Because my teeth are gritting too, so I'm fucking up the enamel. Don't threaten me. 
Man, I grew up in this motherfucking life. This nigga like a brother to me. He like piano, my nigga. Can I get some special sauce on the side for my fries? Water burgers, white butter, and in and out. I said it with my whole gritted teeth. Look. Talking through gritted teeth makes you sound stupid. And for y'all to say it like six times in this fucking... You know what? That is said that shit five times already in this fucking book alone. Okay, cool. Cool, cool. He said it through gritted teeth as he pressed his chest against her gun, challenging her. You better watch you pull your gun on, agent. You cartel men really do have a god complex. You, Carter, Monroe, you're all the same, she chuckled. But you're not invincible, and I will destroy you. It's time for you to just deliver on your end. I flipped dozens of street kings like you. The name of the game is self-preservation. Don't you think for one moment that Carter and Monroe wouldn't do it to you if the shoe was on the other foot, she stated. We're running out of time. I need Carter's hands dirty, and you're going to be a good boy and make that happen for me, she said as she patted his cheek condescendingly before walking out of the bathroom. Her sly smile was infuriating, but what could he do? She had his balls in a vice grip, and he had no choice but to do things her way, betraying the ones who had always been loyal to him. That would suck. To have your balls in a vice grip? I mean... Yeah, there's nothing more to that. I was thinking about what it would be like to have your balls in some pliers. I'll fucking... I'll fucking... Put your balls on a table and just hit them with a hammer like blow into the 36 chambers. Zaire started to follow her until he heard Carter's voice. He ducked back into the bathroom and pressed his back against the wall to remain unseen. I've been looking for you. You alright? He heard Carter ask. Also, also, so here's how this is going to work out. And I just want to let y'all know that we're 60% done with the book. Derek's predictions. Call me now. Um, because Sam is a fed. Sam's gonna die. And because Fly Boogie shot Carter with a fucking sniper rifle, Fly Boogie's gonna die. Which is gonna bring me and Warren Carter back together. Huh? Huh? Anybody? Yeah. Call me now. Who's the baby father? I've been looking for you. You all right? He heard Carter ask. Hey, yeah, of course. I'm fine, Sam replied. The sinister tone she had used to threaten Zaire had changed. He shook his head. She was so good at playing her role. She deserved an Academy Award for the performance she was putting on for Carter. Everything in him wanted to stand tall and back out on the federal deal he had made, but some things couldn't be undone. He had folded, and no matter what his reasons had been, He'll forever be labeled a traitor. He waited until Sam and Carter went back outside before he emerged from his hiding spot. In his frustration, he punched the wall <laughs> to blow off some steam. Wondering how he had gotten caught up in the first place. He's so caught up. I really mean it. He's caught up. <sighs> Things had spiraled so out of control so quickly and now his back was against the wall. He exhaled deeply and then rejoined the party, stepping up to Carter. As soon as he stepped up, Sam dismissed herself, leaving the two with nothing but the opportunity to talk. So, Zaire is dirty, 
And she's like, I want you to force him back in the game. Meanwhile, money is not. And he's like, yo, I need you to get back in the game. So now all of a sudden we got all these people trying to force Carter back in the game. Conveniently. At the same time. Zaire followed Carter's gaze until his own eyes fell upon Mia Moore, who stood courtside cheering on the game that was going on between Fly Boogie and CJ. I'm surprised you haven't choked that nigga out yet, Zaire said. She's not mine anymore, Carter said. Then how come you can't stop looking at her, Zaire said knowingly. Little nigga want to do business. He got the plug on the pills. Monroe's all in. Monroe wants to pull me back in. Carter let his words drift off. He couldn't really imagine getting back into the streets. They had burned him. He knew the streets had no love for him. They didn't burn you, nigga. Your goober-ass wife did. Actually, you did it to yourself by sleeping with that woman back in Saudi Arabia. Okay. You know, full responsibility. The only thing they hadn't done was claim his life. If he kept trying his luck... Eventually, he would meet an early grave, just like his father. I ain't gonna lie. Shit and Flint ain't laying like that. Your bro would appreciate if you did decide to come back for one last run, Zaire stated. We came up doing this shit. You can run this shit in your sleep. You've been gone for three years, fam, and spent five years locked up before that. Imagine how good it would feel to have that old thing back. That power. We ran this bitch before everything got hectic, and I hate to admit it, but the pill shit is a new crack. Your man might be onto something with that. Carter was unmoved, but Zaire knew him well enough to know that even if he was contemplating coming out of retirement, it would be a silent brooding. Carter was the type to make moves, not announcements, so only time would tell if he was buying what Zaire was selling. I'm just saying, give it some thought, Zaire said convincingly. He felt like a piece of shit for going against the grain. Carter was more than an associate. They were brothers. Carter groomed Zaire. You know, just like Drake groomed, you know what, I said too much. He had taught him everything that he knew. They were family before either one of them even uttered the word cartel. And now it had all been reduced to this. Zaire realized they were living their last days. The DEA had a hard on for all of them. And after they made their moves... Their lives would never be the same. Nah, you know why I'm saying nah? Because it's only, like I said, 50% of the way done with the book. 61% of the way done with the book. Nah, that ain't gonna happen. Fly Boogie grabbed his keys from the valet and then waited for me and more and CJ after they said their goodbyes. He stood patiently at the passenger side of the car as me and more stood in front of the carter. So what's the plan? I guess we need to talk about a ranger for CJ, me and more asked. I want him here with me. Carter said in a low tone. She sighed because she knew this would be an issue. Carter, that's not happening. You know that I'll never keep him from you, but he's my baby. I need him with me, she said. In L.A.? Carter asked. She nodded. Carter sighed. I want him every weekend. I'll come get him Fridays and drop him off at school on Mondays, he said. She nodded. I don't have to tell you to take care of yourself, Carter said, looking at her. They were both aware that everyone's eyes were on them. Sam, Fly, even CJ was watching them closely. Carter, all you have to do is tell me to come home. Forgive me and tell me to leave him, she whispered. That's not my place anymore, he stated, his tone cold. 
Mia Moore knew that she had placed layers of hurt onto him. She didn't know if he would ever see her the way that he used to. It will always be your place, she whispered. She's talking about her pussy. She turned. CJ, come tell daddy bye. CJ ran up and stuck out his bald fist. Carter chuckled. You dapping it out now, huh? Carter asked, amused at how much his son had grown up. Yeah, all that mushy stuff is for suckers. Fly said it ain't gangsters, CJ said. Fly says, huh? Carter mumbled. He pulled his son in by the hook of the head and gave him a hug. I'll be there every weekend to get you. Take care of your mama, aight? CJ nodded and Carter kissed the top of his head before he ran to get in the car. Monroe stepped up next to Carter and put a firm hand on his shoulder. Yo, Fly, he called. Fly turned around after helping me and Moore into the car. I put a little something in the trunk for you, Monroe said. Fly nodded his head and then hopped in the driver's seat and pulled away. Fly rubbed his hands together as he popped the trunk. Monroe was about his paper, and he was excited about the possibility of getting money together. He hadn't expected Monroe to send him back to Cali with a trunk full of bricks, but he was more than ready for the load, even if he had to drive him all the way to L.A. himself. He pulled up the trunk in excitement. Oh, shit, he shouted as he stumbled backwards in shock at the package Monroe had left him. Inside lay one of his goons, specifically the one Carter had checked at the party. His body was cut up in pieces and wrapped in plastic. Why? He had paid a hefty price for his disrespect. Fly slammed the trunk in frustration. He was his own man now. He had money and power, but he would never be on the level of Carter Jones. And he knew that in order to keep me and more, he would have to be. She had a thing for street kings. 916-633-1537. Ratchet and Ratchet at gmail.com. Ratchet Book Club on Twitter. Ratchet Book Club on Facebook. You can leave a review on Spotify by just hitting the five stars in front on the bottom of the screen and just adding to the numbers. That's the quickest way to go about it. You can also write a review for Podchaser, copy and paste that in the Apple Podcast, and then copy and paste that in the Good Pods. I appreciate those too. Even y'all Apple niggas. I don't know. Y'all weird, but I fucks with you. You can also donate to the show at uh, patreon.com slash single simulcast, buymeacoffee.com slash sscast, and on the Good Pods app. book is dumb it's going backwards and forwards and i already know how the ending is going to be right now and if it's not that that means something stupid is going to happen that's sad where it's not like if it's not that then i said something wrong no if it's not that then something stupid happened so then that doesn't happen we gonna see thank y'all so much for listening i greatly appreciate it y'all be good i'm gonna holler at you later peace